All right, hopefully you don't know someone like like that. Maybe you do. But uh, welcome to Grace Church. My name is Justin Ross, lead pastor here at Grace Church. And for just a moment, this kind of feels like church right here. Man, thank you so much for coming. It's so great to see you all here in person. I want to welcome those of you online watching. And we are continuing the message series called I Choose. This is part two. And uh, uh, in this series, we're, we're looking at the choices that we make. You know, our lives, our, our days are full of decisions, and our decisions really matter. Our choices really matter. And so we're looking at the decisions. We're looking at the choices that we make because essentially we are the sum total of the decisions that we have made. And whatever decisions that we uh, you know, have made in the past determines who we are today. And the decisions that we make today determine what we're going to be able to do tomorrow. Our, our decisions, our choices really, really matter. And in this series, we're focusing on four big choices in our lives. And last week, we talked about choosing purpose over popularity. We talked about choosing purpose over popularity. And next week, we're going to talk about choosing discipline over regret. I've heard it said this way. You know, in life, there's going to be pain. Okay, you're not going to be the exception to the rule. You are going to experience some pain. You can experience the pain of discipline or you can experience the pain of regret. Your choice. And we're going to encourage you to choose discipline over regret. And today I want to talk to you about a decision that every single one of us will need to make at some point in our life, if not every day in our life. And we're going to talk about choosing surrender over control. Choosing surrender over control. So I need a little bit of participation Man, that was a great time of worship through song this morning. But how many of you would say, go ahead and raise your hands. How many of you would say, I like to be in control? All right, go ahead and raise your hand high. I like to, oh man, I think that's 100%, all right, unanimous. And uh, if your hand isn't raised, the person sitting next to you that's a control freak, go ahead and raise their hand for them, all right? Because I know that's what you like to do. Everyone that raised their hand, you're the ones driving us all nuts because you're trying to control everything, all right? We all like to control things. In our lives, all of us in some areas uh, of our lives, we we battle this um, idea that we are in control, that we're trying to control things. It might be at work, you know. Some of you are like, do it my way. And if you don't do it right, then I'll step in and do it myself. And you end up creating all kinds of work for yourself because nobody can do it your way, the right way, right? And so you end up doing it for everyone else. You know what I'm talking about. Anybody in the room this morning, all right? Um, Some of you, you might work for that person. You're like, man, I'm not going to say anything because they're sitting right next to me, you know. Um, Some of you are that person. What about in, in your home? Some of us in our homes, we're like control freaks. Everything has a place. It has to be done my way. Like, don't touch that. Don't set that there. No, we're not hanging it on that wall. That wall's my wall, you know. Like, we're just control freaks in the home. We all have areas, right, where we like to be in control. Maybe it could be certain people in your life. You want your kids to do just what you want them to do. You're trying to control your kids. And if you don't do this or if you don't do that, I'm going to ground you until you're 30, right? How many of parents have said that? It could be your spouse. If you don't do this, I'm going to withhold something 
special from you or I'm going to stonewall. I'm just not going to talk to you anymore because you're not doing what I think you should do. Or um, maybe it's, you know, you go to the extremes where you threaten divorce or you start yelling and you start screaming. Maybe you even throw some things, right? Because you want to be in control. We all have areas that we like to control or think we're in control. Many of us are control freaks. We want to control the money. We want to control people. Uh, We want to control people's schedules. We want to um, try to control how other people behave. We want to control how people vote. We want to control what people believe. We're just control freaks. And many of us internally, we would say to ourselves, I want control. I want control. And today, I want to address this big issue. It's kind of fun to maybe make light of a little bit and tease a little bit, but the reality is, whenever we try to control something that is not ours to control, it actually is a reflection of a very big spiritual problem in our lives. Okay, let me say that one more time. In actuality, when we try to control something that is not ours to control, It's a reflection of a very big spiritual problem in our lives. See, what we're trying to do in that area, whatever area that may be, maybe it's multiple areas, but whatever area that may be that you're trying to control, essentially what you're trying to do is you're trying to be like God. You're trying to control things that really God should control. I want to control Because I want to be like God. Because maybe it gets to the point where you don't trust God. I want to be in control because I don't trust Him to do what He said He's going to do. I want to control because I know what's best. We end up trying to be like God. Right now I want to look at one of the most memorized verses in all of Scripture. Um, It's also one of the most difficult to live out in our lives. And And even if you've heard this verse a hundred times, I want to encourage you to try to hear it today like it was the very first time, all right? I I want you to hear it afresh, and actually, I want to ask you right now to do something for me. Internally, I want you to ask God right now, say, God, help me to live out this verse, these powerful truths in my life. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, it teaches us this. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to Him, and He will make your paths straight. We are to trust in the Lord. We are to surrender to God, to be completely in His hands. We are to trust the Lord with with how much of our hearts? All of our hearts. How much of your heart are you trusting to God? How much of your heart are you giving to God to say, God, I release this to you. I trust you with it. I want you to be in control of it. And then we're told, this this is where it gets really difficult for me. I don't know about you. But we're told not to lean on our own understanding. This is difficult for me. Sometimes I'm still trying to figure it out. I'm still wrestling with it because... I don't know about you, but I want to figure things out. 
I'm a fixer. Like, I want to fix things. I want to do things to, to make things work the way I think they should work. I want to be in control. I, I think I know what's best. I think I know what should happen. I have this mentality of, I've got this. I've got this. Let's go. Bring it on. I've got this. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Submit to Him in how many of our ways? All of our ways. You know, the the Hebrew word that's translated as submit is also translated as acknowledge. The word actually means to know. It's the same word that's used of Adam knowing Eve. So it's a very intimate knowing. It's it's knowing in, in, in intimate ways. We trust in the Lord with every bit of our heart. In other words, it means that I'm not anxious about anything. I'm trusting in God. We are to submit to Him in everything, acknowledging Him, to know Him in all of our ways. We know Him, we acknowledge Him, we submit to Him, and when we do that, it says, we don't make our paths straight. It says that God will make our paths straight. I'm guilty, as anybody, of trying to make my own path straight. I've heard it said this way. I ask myself this question a lot. but And sometimes I ask other people this question. But the question is, is how's that working out for you? How's that working out for you when you're trying to make your own path straight? You see, when I trust in the Lord with all of my heart and I don't lean on my own understanding and I acknowledge Him in all of my ways, He will make my path straight. We know Him. And he will make our paths straight. See, here's the problem. And many of you, you'll see this in your own life. The more that we try to control, the more we actually lose control. The more we try to control and hold on tightly, the more it slips through our fingers. The more we try to control, the more we lose control. And the more afraid we become of losing control the more we try to control. And the more we try to control, the more afraid we become of losing control. And what happens is it it starts this vicious cycle of fear. You see, when I'm trying to control everything and everything's out of control, all of a sudden I become fearful because everything's out of control. I feel out of control. My marriage feels out of control. My family feels out of control. My career is out of control. My church is out of control. My pastor is out of control. It's just like, I'm afraid now. I'm afraid. Before long, we enter this vicious cycle of fear, and essentially what we're doing is we're edging or we're pushing God out of the situation, and we're saying, God, I want control of this. I want to do this because I don't trust you to do it. I'm going to do it. I want to show you an Old Testament example of control gone bad. All right? It's actually control gone really, really bad. When we try to take control and and we're not surrendered to God, it rarely goes right. Right? It rarely goes right. 
So I want to show you a story about Abram and Sarah. Their names were later changed to Abraham and Sarah. But if there's anyone who battled control issues, it was Abraham and Sarah. One time when Abraham was really afraid for their safety, he lied. All right. Sometimes that's what happens when you're trying to be in control is you actually become a liar because you're not realistic about the situation of what's going on. But in Abraham's life, he became afraid of the situation. And instead of saying, this is my wife, he said, this is my sister. He tried to control the situation. But the biggest example in Abraham and Sarah's life was when they were childless. They were childless and what they really wanted more than anything else was a child. And God actually had promised Abraham one of the most amazing promises. He said, Abraham, you're going to be the father of many nations. I mean, how amazing is that? He was, I mean, imagine being Abraham. You're going to be the father of many nations. And in Abraham's, you know, internally, he's like, man, that's awesome, but I don't even have a kid, you know? I'm childless. Then guess what happened after God made this promise? So God made this promise to Abraham, you're going to be the father of many nations. Guess what happened right after that promise? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing happened. Nothing happened for a really long time. See, what happened was is God's timetable looked very different from Abraham and Sarah's timetable. Nothing happened for quite some time, and Abraham got to the point where he began to question God's promise. And Maybe you're in that place right now where you're like, I know God has promised this or promised that, and maybe you're losing faith or you're losing hope in the promises of God, and you're beginning to question the goodness of God, that's what happened to Abraham. He said, God, you said we were going to be parents. And nothing's happened. And another month goes by. Nothing. And another month goes by. And nothing. 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 And Sarai did what many of us would do when God's timing was different from her timing. She decided to take control of the situation And she tried to bring a desired outcome in her own way. She tried to force it to happen, to make it happen the way she thought it could be done. And this is a perfect example of control gone bad. Genesis chapter 16, beginning in verse 1, says, Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had not been able to bear children for him. But she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, the Lord has prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servant. Okay, so Sarai's trying to take control of the situation. Perhaps I can have children through her. And Abram agreed with Sarai's proposal. God's not doing what he said he's going to do, so I'm going to take control of the situation. Go and sleep with Hagar. So Sarai... Abram's wife took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and gave her to Abram as, his, as a wife. And this happened ten years after Abram had settled in the land of Canaan. So Abram had sexual relations with Hagar, and she became pregnant. So once again, God made a promise, but his timing was not consistent with their timing, so they took matters into their own hands. They took control of the situation and it was control gone bad. 
Now, if you don't know what happened next, I'm, I'm going to tell you what happened next, okay? But some of you, you may know this part of the story, but you may not know the whole story. It's really mind-blowing, honestly, how this one controlling situation ended up impacting people for generations, and it's still impacting us to this day. Hagar ended up getting pregnant, and Hagar gave birth to a son, and they called him Ishmael. Then later, Sarah conceived, just like God had promised, and she gave birth to a son. They named him Isaac. And if you look at the lineage of Ishmael, and you look at the lineage of Isaac, it's stunning. So stunning. Fascinating. Out of Ishmael, you actually have the Palestinians. And out of Ishmael, you actually have Muhammad. Out of Isaac, you have the Jewish nation. Out of Isaac, you have Jesus Christ. So here we are, centuries later. And you still have this tension. You still have this conflict between the Palestinians and the Jews. And you have this tension between, do we follow Muhammad or do we follow Jesus Christ? Why? Because control went bad. I want to take control. It's not happening in my timing. It's not happening the way I want it to be done. It's not happening my way. So therefore, I will do what it takes to make it happen the way I want it to. You know, so many of us, we're, we're tempted to take control when something doesn't go our way. You know, maybe, maybe you're here this morning, maybe you're watching online, you're a single Christian girl, and you're looking for a single Christian guy, but you can't seem to find a single Christian guy, so you'll just settle for a guy, right? And you know internally, I'm not supposed to be unequally yoked. He has the cutest smile, you know? Like, he's so cute. I, I can change him. I can't tell you how many times I've heard this. I can change him. I can control the situation. I can change even what he believes. Maybe it's a financial issue. You're struggling. You know, you, you know because you've been around church for a while, you actually know that you're, you're supposed to put God first. You know that you're supposed to return a tithe to God, and you know that in, in obeying this and doing this, it's actually very freeing. You know that God will bless you. You've seen it, but it doesn't seem to work right now in your own understanding with your budget. And so you're like, man, I, I'm going to follow my own understanding, and I'm not going to do this thing right now, and I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to take control. I'm going to do it the way I want it to be done. Once again, it could be people at work, you know. I'm, I'm trying to delegate this to you, but you're not doing it right. And so <clears throat> get out of the way, right, so I can do it the right way. Some of you here, actually nobody here, this, this word right here is for another church, okay. Nobody here, nobody watching online. I know this won't affect any of you. But some of you are helicopter parents, right. You know what helicopter parents are? <sighs> Hovering. 
hovering. Every little thing that your children do, you're trying to control. Every little outcome, every little situation. Like what, little Johnny, you need help with your science paper? Oh, wow, mom ended up doing the science paper for little Johnny, right? He didn't learn anything, but he got an A. That's awesome. Oh, what, little Johnny, you, you want to go to the mailbox? Hey, put your helmet on, put your elbow gear on, your knee pads. Let me wrap you in bubble wrap. And when you get to the mailbox, you call me and let me know that you made it there and, and, and let me know when you get home, right? Just trying to control every little situation. What, little Johnny, you got picked on at school? You wait until his mom gets a piece of meat. You know what I'm saying? Trying to control every situation. I know that's a word for a different church. Nobody here. Nobody here. I just had to say it. But it's, it's overprotecting parents. I had some parents who spoke some wisdom into me and said it this way. Sometimes the only way you can gain wisdom is through experience. Sometimes the only way you can learn something is through a little bit of pain. So if we're trying to protect our children from every experience, every pain, every... Are they, are they learning? Are they growing in wisdom? I know there's a tension there, but you get what I'm saying. So what are you trying to control? Like, I, I would encourage you to name it. Call it by name. Write it down. Maybe you're trying to control your job. Maybe you're trying to control your spouse. Maybe you're trying to control your image. You're trying to control what everybody thinks about you. What, what is it that you're trying to control? You know, we need to ask ourselves, is this something that is really mine to control, or is this something that I'm supposed to trust to the Lord with all of my heart, not lean on my own understanding, but to acknowledge Him in all of my ways, and I know He will make the path straight. I'm going to choose surrender over control. What I want to do with the remaining time that we have this morning is I want to give you three really big questions that will help you in choosing surrender over control. Three kind of guiding questions that will help you in the situations that you face in life. Are you ready? All right? Anybody asleep? Wake up. All right? All right, here we go. Question number one is this. If you're taking notes, highly encourage you to take some notes. Is it worth my attention? It's a good question to ask. Listen, especially in the world that we live in right now, there are so many things that people are really upset about, really passionate about. But I think it's good to ask yourself, is it worth my attention? Because especially as leaders, okay, you, you only have so much bandwidth. You only have 24 hours in a day. You only have so much energy that you can give to things. And if you're trying to do everything, it's impossible. You cannot do everything. As a leader, you, you have to pick your battles carefully. We cannot be involved. We cannot fight every single battle. Either, either you're going to spread yourself too thin. Maybe you'll burn out You know, people that you're overseeing. Um, it becomes to the point where you're spread so thin that you're really ineffective. 
Also, as leaders, we're trying to empower people because we know that we can't do everything. So I think it's good to ask yourself, is it worth my attention? Is it worth my focus? Pastor Craig Rochelle, he's a pastor of Life Church. He said this, it stuck with me, and I just wanted to share it with you. But he said, you can have control or you can have growth, but you cannot have both. You can have control or you can have growth, but you cannot have both. I'm in the process of learning this in so many areas of my life right now. Just releasing control is such a scary thing. But I think it's worth it. And I think the growth will be worth it. What about parents, for example? Parents, by the way, you are a leader as a parent. All right? I I don't know. This might be getting up in your business a little bit too much, but hey, we're going to do it anyways. But I've been hearing things from people like, hey, they're just afraid of the term leader. Let me just newsflash. As a parent, you're a leader. You are leading your children. Whether you like that term, hate that term, you're a leader. You're leading your children either away from Christ or to Christ. It's really simple. You're a leader as a parent. But parents, you have to pick your battles, right? You have to pick your battles. For example, like when my boys were younger, you know, sometimes, I, I shouldn't say younger, I should say, you know, last night. Um, sometimes around the dinner table, things get a little chaotic, and it gets rowdy, and we have a lot of fun. But, you know, like, one of my boys, you know, spills a glass of milk, or, you know, food's on the floor. You know, it's like, okay, gosh, I'm not going to go crazy over that. But one of my boys is disrespectful to their mom. That's a battle that I need to fight. Right? Does that make sense? The, we have to have battles that we pick and choose. As parents, it would be good for you to ask yourself, is this worth my attention? And the decisions that they're making as children, and then they get into their teenage years, and we're about to experience the college years, you know, but it's like, gosh, man, parenting is really releasing, right? It's preparing your children to let them fly on their own. So it's Asking yourself, is it worth my attention? Choosing your battles. You know, sometimes I think we get so wigged out, we get so crazy on things that are really not that big of a deal. And we're pouring our energy sometimes into the wrong things. So once again, ask yourself, is it worth my attention? Is it really that big of a deal for me to pour a bunch of energy into? Let me give you an example. My, my oldest son, Ryland, we're actually taking him this Friday down uh, to Phoenix. He's going to school at Grand Canyon University. He's going to be dropping him off at school. But <clears throat> one thing you need to know about Ryland is he is the loudest cereal eater in the world. Okay? All right? I think he's, like my grandpa used to say, if you mix air while you're eating, um, it helps the food to taste better. And so, you know, he would, he would not close his mouth while he was eating. My grandpa and I think Ryland's similar where, He's eating cereal, and he's crunching and chomping, and sometimes milk's going everywhere, you know. And uh, it's one of those things where it's like, oh, man, this drives me crazy, you know. Is it worth my attention? But you know what? When Ryland's at school, you know one of the things that I'm probably going to miss the most (laughs) is him eating cereal next to me, making all kinds of noise and a mess. Is it worth my attention? 
second question is this. Is it mine to control? Sometimes the answer is yes, right? Okay? There are things that we need to do. God is not going to do everything for us. Okay? We have some things that we need to do. God wants you to do some things for yourself. So there's a big difference between surrendering control and relinquishing responsibility. Does that make sense? For example, once again, if you're, if you're messed up financially and you've made some bad choices and you've gotten yourself into a hole, you can't just sit around and say, God, I trust that you're going to pay my bills, you know? I trust that you're going to come through and you're going to, you know, have a tree, money tree in my backyard grow. Like, it's not going to happen that way. God's going to remind you that, no, you have the ability to work. Go get a job. Um, he's going to remind you, no, hey, you're spending more than you're making. It doesn't work out well when you do that. He may say, hey, you need to get a second job if you need to. But he's going to say, you have something to do to help you get out of this financial struggle. So once again, you're asking yourself, is this mine to control? Like I'm, Sometimes I think we're guilty of releasing things to God, and he's like, nope, right back at you. All right? That's actually your responsibility. That's actually your job. We have some things that God wants us to do. What, what if you're struggling in your marriage? You're like, man, what do I do? You know what you can do is you can adjust your heart. You know what you could do is you could actually suggest to your spouse, say, hey, I think we should go get some counseling. I think we should go get some help. There's some things that you can do. Maybe you could even suggest, man, we need to be a part of a life group here at Grace Church, because we need some spiritual connection. Maybe it's like, man, we're running around with the wrong circle of friends. We actually need to change our circle a little bit because we're being influenced in the wrong direction. There's some things that you can do. What about if your child is making bad decisions? What can you do? You, you can be available to your child. You can build a bridge you can make sure that the lines of communication are open. And you can do what it takes, right, to, to try to shepherd your child well. You know, we're going to face these situations where it's like, man, is this mine to control or is this God's? I, I had a friend of mine, um, he put it this way. He said, it's like putting your house up for sale. Yes, it's, it's very smart, it's very wise to pray that your house will sell but it's also a good idea to put a for sale sign in the front yard, okay? All right? There's a little bit of both, right? I'm praying for my marriage, but I have to do some maintenance, right? I have to take her out on a date every once in a while. I have to speak some words of encouragement. It's not just going to happen magically. Hey, Amen, Justin. That's good preaching, man. Got to pick on the single guys. What if, what if you're a single guy and you're praying for a godly spouse? What can you do? Taking some notes, okay? Number one, quit playing video games, right? Amen. All right? You can move out of your mom's basement and get a job, all right? Number three, you can brush your teeth. That helps. Number four, put on some deodorant, all right? All right. <laughs> I had to have a little fun. Um <clears throat> 
The third question is this. All right, we've asked ourselves, is, is this worth my attention? Is this mine to control? Number three, is this for God alone to control? Is this one of those areas that, like I'm desperately trying to control, but it's not mine to control? Is this one for me to surrender to God, for Him to control? I, I want to read to you from Philippians chapter 4, and these are the words, uh, these words are from the Apostle Paul, and he was actually uh, chained to a Roman guard at this time. He was in house arrest. He was in prison. And he writes these amazing, powerful words. Here's, here's what the Apostle Paul said. And again, I want you to, to hear these words like it was the first time that you've heard these words. Okay? I know many of you have heard this before, but hear it afresh. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything. Come on, is that not a good word for our day? Don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. In every situation, what do you do? By prayer and petition, you present your requests to God. Listen, I, I, unfortunately, I think for a lot of Christians, prayer is often the last resort, but prayer should be the first line of offense. Okay, we're not playing defense here, just so you know. What's Grace Church all about? We're on the offense, we're attacking, we're going to get after it. We're not playing defense. Prayer should be the first line of offense. That man, the scripture says we get to go to the throne of grace. We get to communicate with the almighty God. Prayer is such an incredible weapon, incredible tool that we have as Christians. Prayer should never be the last resort. Paul said we go before God with thanksgiving. Why do we go with thanksgiving? Because we know that He hears us. That's something to be thankful about. We know that He cares about us. That's something to be thankful about. We know that He's working in all things to bring about good for those who love Him and are called according to His purposes. You know what happens when we go to God like that? When we're not anxious and we, in every situation we, we bring our prayers and our petitions before God with thanksgiving. You know what happens? He says in verse 7, Then the peace of God This is a supernatural peace, by the way. Peace of God, which transcends all understanding. It doesn't make any sense. Will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So awesome. What do we do? When there's something we cannot control, say, God, this, this is yours. <laughs> this is yours. You can have it. I present this to you. I, I trust you with this. I'm trusting you with all of my heart. I'm not leaning on my own understanding. I'm, 
I'm knowing you. I'm acknowledging you in all of my ways. And I'm praying that you will make my path straight in this situation. So I know where to go. I know what to do. I know what to say. God, would you please do something about this? Once again, you know, you're married and your spouse is making really bad decisions. and You're asking yourself, can I change my, my spouse? You know, can I control? Can I fix? Can I change my spouse? Let me just answer this for you. No, you cannot <laughs> change your spouse. You can make your spouse miserable. You can make them crazy. You can drive him away. You can modify their behavior for a little bit until they get, you know, frustrated and they begin to resent you and kick back. But you cannot control your spouse. Can God change your spouse? Yes. And it may be a situation where you release that control to God. Can you, can you physically heal your own body? Let's say someone has cancer. Can you go to that individual and say, poof, cancer's gone, you know? No, it doesn't work that way. You personally, physically cannot heal people. You can get chemo. You can see great doctors. You can eat the right kind of foods. You can do all that, but can you heal them? No. Can God heal them? Yes. He has, and he will continue to heal. And once again, as parents, can you control your kids? And you can threaten them. You can drive them away from you. You can create a wall where there's no communication or trust. You, you cannot control their future. Can God actively be involved in your children's lives and, and lead them in the way that's good, in the way that's wise? Yes. He can, and He will. Ultimately, what you're saying is, God, I trust You with all of my heart. I'm not leaning on my own understandings. I'm acknowledging You are at work. Hey, I'm acknowledging that. And I know that you'll make my path straight in these situations that I'm facing. You know, whenever we face trying situations in our lives, we want to be a control freak, right? We want to control everything. I want to encourage you to ask yourself these questions when you're facing those situations. Is it worth my attention? Is it mine to control? And is this for God alone to control? I, I want to conclude the message this morning with a story from a man that I dearly love and respect. And uh, a wonderful friend of mine, and many of you know him, last year went through just a really tough year, had some major health issues. Um, I think we lost count of how many surgeries he had. But just his, his perspective, when things were out of control, like his, his focus, his perspective, honestly was truly humbling. And it was a great example to look up to. But I want you to watch this video, and I pray that you'll be blessed and encouraged by John's story. Check this out.
Hi, I'm John. It's my story. Uh, I guess it's a story of unexpected things that happened in uh, April of 2019. It's a year ago. Um, life was going on just fine. And, uh, late in the week, I ended up uh, in the hospital with some complications from uh, prior surgery for a couple decades. Turned into quite an ordeal in that time. I had seven surgeries over the course of the next uh, five, six months, the last one being in September. It was interesting. Um, not all of it was related to the original uh, reason I went to the hospital in April. Um, it was kind of a crescendo of unrelated things all happening at the same time, um, which gets kind of interesting. I missed about five months of work. I do want to say that I'm incredibly thankful for the support group uh, that I had around me with my family, friends. It would have been difficult without that. But I think what happens is sometimes there's that idea of how things are going to go or what it's going to look like. And uh, when it radically changes, um, I think there's a lot of things that we can do with that. And part of my story, I think, is what... What I learned and what God taught me through it. It's quite apparent sometimes, but uh, say looking on the backside of everything, what I learned is there's so many things that we can't we can't control. We we really just only think that we can control them. Um, I think what I learned was the most important thing that I can how I deal with it, how I choose to, to treat people with it. Mine happened to be uh, an illness. Um, there's so many different things that can happen to folks with it. So, you know, family tragedy, tragedy or something like that. Mine was, uh, was just really ill and had to have a lot of, uh, a lot of time in the hospital. And I, I will say what helped me with with kind of my attitude, and I've had other stuff previously, so I think I've got a pretty good working knowledge of uh, how God wants me to act and behave, but uh, one night in the middle of the summer, I was in the hospital. Um, I was kind of in between complications, and, and then had the, uh, the wonderful experience of uh, having an unrelated kidney stone. It was late at the night, and uh, I, I was pretty upset, kind of beyond upset, and just kind of remember in my hospital and didn't even push the button for the nurse. I knew what it was. I knew all the procedure that was going to have to happen after that. That was in the midst of all this other stuff I had going on. And I just got really angry. And uh, I can just remember I, I, I was up and, um, and I posed the question in my head, you know, why me? I know I, I distinctly thought that thought almost immediately. Um, God responded wasn't audible, but but I heard it. I heard it in my head. And as soon as, and I think God wants us to tell Him, "Hey, I'm upset with what's going on. I'm life didn't turn out the way I thought. He He's there for us." But as soon as that went through, you know, just like it was clear as day, I heard, "Well, why not you?" Thought about that for a couple of seconds, and then, you know what? Exactly. Verse says that uh, 
there's no temptation, so there's no trial that uh, has taken me. There's, there's no experience that, that would come down that's not common to every man, every woman on, on the earth. Um, but God's faithful, and he's going to see you through it. That, to me, is, is the key. I can remember that every single time and say, you know what? I'm not the first one to go through this. I'm not the last one to go through this. There's, there's those of you sitting out there that have your own trial going on that is not that dissimilar to mine. And you know what? God's got it. And, and I think that's really what the lesson has. At the very core, it's, I, I don't have to be in control. I want to be. I don't have to. Really, just want to be a light for him. Kind of, I want to be that encourager. You know, I had the chance to be a lot of uh, doctors, nurses, um, and just try to be a better spot in their day. Um, wherever you are, whatever's going on, as cliche as it may sound, God's got it. Time will go on. We'll all look back. That's right. I can't control how I think myself through adverse situations with God's help. That's my story. I don't know what it is. I guess I'm here to tell you this morning. It's not yours to control. Maybe at this time, maybe right now in this moment in the service, God is speaking to you and you'll be able to communicate with the Lord and you can say, you know what, I'm I'm trusting this person to you, God. I'm trusting this situation to you, God. I'm trusting, you know, this, this crisis that I'm facing. I'm trusting it to you, God. I'm giving it to you because I trust you. when you do that, the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your heart and your mind and your soul in Christ Jesus. And you'll experience that peace. Father, whatever it is, whatever people are facing, Pray that they would trust in you with all of their heart. Pray that they would not lean on their own understanding, but in every way they would acknowledge you. Lord, we know you've promised you would make your paths straight. I pray that they would choose surrender over control. God, help us not to be anxious about anything. But in everything, God, we present it to you. We present the situation or this person or this crisis to you. And we ask with thanksgiving, God, knowing that the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard our hearts and our minds and our souls in Christ Jesus. We do this for your glory. We do this because you are good. And Father, this morning we choose to surrender over control. In Jesus' name.